Pantheria. Welcome to Dad Bod History. Welcome back, everyone. Um, I'm Eric. We've got Jake. We also have Kyle back and a special guest, uh, Terrence from uh, Capitans TV. You can find him on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, the One Stop Pop Culture Shop. That's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. Yeah, try to get and it. And I think, Terrence, <laughs> Terrence, would you agree that Kyle's name is uh, kind of plain as well? Yes, very, very much so. So he's I part of the boy that. band. I heard Here, that. Here, shout out. I and would was, love to be in a boy band. So Jake has his hair bleached. Literally no offense. Jake and I had our hair bleached, Back. I think, the same time. Oh, yeah. Probably. Yeah, we did. So, and Terrence, yeah. if you just go with Terry, you could oh, you could be I in know. that plain I, group, too. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this. Me and my Jakey, father. Kyle, so I, Eric, and Terry. Oh, my God. And Cam. So I'm a, and I'm Cam. a junior. So I hate being called Terry. And my dad Ooh. does, too. Oh, it TJ. Is, TJ, my Terrence. That would junior, be a boy band. Like, that's my family family nickname. So TJ is running the money. Okay. I just go away. <laughs> <laughs> isn't your first, but isn't it John Kyle? Isn't that your name? Yeah. So Johnny, Jake, Eric, TJ, and Cam. Okay, but but just so you Can know, any like, of us sing or dance? No. At the no. same time? Yeah. No. no. I, Apart. I, no. I don't think uh, swing. I don't think swing dancing counts. No. I mean, it could, it could in the background, just you and a and a, uh, and a partner just swing. Do dance. a little zoot suit, right? Yeah. Oh man, I wore a zoot suit to prom once. Oh, I know you yep. showed me the photo. Where is that? <laughs> I, I lost it. Wow. Pop, make gone. that pop up. I was like, yeah, you got to cut that in for sure. <laughs> That's gonna cut. I'd have, I'd have to dig deep for that. <laughs> I think I can find it. I don't. Ra I don't ra know. Random question for you, Terrence. You're in Seattle. Yes, yes I am. I'm. Seattle I'm up in. I, I'm up in uh, Martha Lake, so a little bit probably north of you, I think. Well, I I don't live there anymore. I mean, I lived in Linwood and Redmond for a couple of years, but yeah, I think my sister told me that, but I totally missed it. So it's it's possible. <laughs> and uh, Kyle, you're moving to Colorado. Yes. Sweet. When's that happening? Um. Saturday. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you don't have to pack. Nope. That's awesome. Nope. We can cut that minute out. Okay. Not a problem. Oh, Kyle, oh we can. He's moving to we'll Colorado. Post. Like, yeah, Aaron, you're post gonna actually, edit it in yeah. post. Yeah, you're going to actually have to cut something. Post. I cut stuff all the time when camera. Yeah, when you, okay. what you cut is your dialogue. You remix your own dialogue and you can cut. 30 seconds out where we talk I about did that why and i did that once but i don't remember why oh because number wrong i said thirteen thousand, not 13 million i felt really weird about saying there's only been thirteen thousand corona cases mm -hmm. so oh man see so you got to save yourself oh. a little bit of time though with the youtube awesome. editing just put a little text up in the corner like that's that's like the little bubbles mm -hmm. yeah more I'll, fun. I'll think about it i'll think about it <clears throat> You know, Biden well, did say at the debate there's 200 million coronavirus deaths in the United States. Okay. Just so it happens. It happens. All right. Okay. It definitely so happens. Anyway, we, uh, well, in my week. Oh, can I oh, talk about oh, my week? Let's, yeah, let's get to the weeks. So my wife 
and this is actually a story that my wife had. She was at the store getting some groceries. And when she was pulling out, she saw this family walking their kids in a, you know, one of their kids was in a stroller. Another one was walking next to the stroller. And the dad was, it was Sunday. And the dad was obviously watching football on his phone as he was pushing the stroller. And something fell out of the stroller in front of it. And the wife, the mom goes to pick it up in front of the stroller and the dad didn't see her lean in front of the stroller to pick it up and he just ran her over with the stroller wow. and she gets all mad and starts yelling at him the other kid that was next to the stroller knew to get out of the way and I'm she like, knows what happens with football time well, that's what i'm saying like yeah. you can't be mad that's on you <laughs> if you want to make the husband go walk the family during football because you knew you were only going to get them at 50% at best for that family walk on a Sunday when football's playing. And Arizona was was the game that was on the TV. They well, were that's the ignorable. Well, this year they're actually <laughs> kind of good. Um, it, it, yeah, but being good in the <laughs> NFC West is not going to cut it. So, yeah. But anyway, it was just very humorous, that, <clears throat> that whole scene that she described to me. And even my wife agreed. She's like, that's on her for <laughs> And you got two slots too, as well. Like you could have put the afternoon. If it was in the afternoon, she could have went during the morning. Mm. Or if it was during the morning, could have went during the afternoon when the game wasn't on. Right? I don't agree. they have to sign up for grocery shopping slots, anyways? Opposite games. I don't think they were. I don't. I don't think they they were grocery shopping. They were just walking their family oh. by the grocery store, and then yeah. So there wasn't even a reason. It was just to be a family outside. They could have waited three hours. <laughs> They really could have. Yeah. That's my really story from the from the week. W, Eric, Terrence, Kyle, anyone? Uh, I, I guess I, it's not, I don't know if it's funny, but uh, so I, I had some tech problems this week. And so for the first time in seven months, I had to go into the office and pick up a new computer. So <laughs> go through all that rigmarole or whatever. And then I'm leaving the building. And like, you know, how you see a stranger or whatever, somebody you don't know, you give them the, the fake smile, like, you know, just to be a, a kind and interesting, we're well, not interested, but a kind person. And she didn't smile back. And I was like, what did I do to like make this, like not get, you know, get that fake energy smile back. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. what turns out, I forgot I had the mask on. Yep. And so she never even saw the fake smile and like never, and so she just, you know, just kept going on about, about, about her day. I was like, man, I guess social interactions are, you know, are changing as we, you know, in the new world that we live in. With, you had so a point. Gotta, you got to be like, look yeah. at my eyes. Yeah, yeah. I know, right? So, mm-hmm. I, And I haven't really had much social interaction besides my wife in the last seven months. So mm-hmm. uh, I was like, I got I to gotta learn some new norms here soon. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy how everything is different now. And it's funny, like, I've been back at the office. Well, I, I never really stopped going into the office, but other people are coming in and and it's like when we're walking by each other, we all like do this weird, like give mm-hmm. ourselves the six foot bubble as we walk to the break room or go to the copier or whatever it is. And it's just very surreal. Yeah, I don't have that problem at school because my wife the and I are partner smile, no teachers. Matter what. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, and the kids are never smiling. It's frustrating. <laughs> um, no, my wife and I, we, we partner teach. So like I've like, I'm not socially distancing from her and I'm not going to do that at school. So then I have these two standards in the classroom with the students that are there. Um, you know, I'm trying to like keep socially distanced from them, but I also have somebody that that's not an issue with. So it's, 
it's frustrating to say the least. Yeah. And also getting like, we're trying to get all these procedures and all the procedures, like, you know, kids, you have to stand in these spots. And I, every time you come in get your hands sanitized and, mm-hmm. but yeah, then you have the masks on and you're trying to read a student in front of you. Like, are they like, I can't read these kids because I can't see their faces. So There's I don't know if my, if my jokes are my jokes that bad or, or am I just not seeing their, their response? Yeah. Very difficult. I'm sure your jokes are killing it, but out of respect. Probably. They aren't. Right. Yeah. I think so. It's yeah, in the crowd, right? How, how, how yeah. old are your students? They're junior high. Oh yeah. You're killing it with them. Don't worry about it. Probably. Probably. I, so I deleted my week was up and down kind of like my, my blood pressure. Um, I deleted Twitter and Facebook from my phone this week or this weekend, Friday, I did that. And I just had to get away from it because I was on Twitter, Twitter, uh, last weekend and I upset a couple people and, you know, I'm just sticking barbs here and there and trying to get some conversation, but people don't want conversation right now. Um, and, uh, I was just like, you know, I, it's not, it's not helping. If I need it, I'll just have my computer open. I'll get on my computer. So deleted those apps from my phone, but then I'm out and I'm stuck in line doing something. I pull up my phone. I'm like, I have nothing to look at on my phone. So mm-hmm. then I start to look around. You may have to make and, eye contact. Yeah. And that's the problem. Yeah. And I can't smile at anyone. Would- so I'm just staring them down. <laughs> I would recommend Reddit. I don't know if you are a redditor, but I love Reddit. And as far as like browsing things and having things to do while people are while you don't want to interact with anything, Reddit's a perfect place for that. Right. And it's <laughs> he's putting I, it on now. I think. Oh, I thought I had a reader, a Reddit reader, on here. It's not on there now. I do like Reddit because. If I literally have any question about anything, there's a Reddit thread. Yep. Any a subreddit, a subreddit yeah. for everything. It's kind of yeah. it's kind of amazing and kind of creepy at the same time. Yep. It is because it's you can find anything on Reddit. Yeah. You <laughs> totally can. Don't don't but... mistype things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Spell check very important. Um. All right. So, I guess with that, let's get into the the main theme for tonight and um, part of why we have you on Terrence is um, you suggested this, which is there's this Netflix series called high score. And I guess, can you give me a, give us a quick overview of what it is? I mean, I know Eric and I have watched it now and, and I don't know if Kyle has, but you want to give us the, the rundown on, on what it's all about? Yeah. So basically high score is a look back at the, I guess the the inception of video games and how they've affected uh, mainstream media and, and the world all up. And so it gives a, a couple of stories, not a couple, but a lot of stories about developers and how these games are created and made and the process behind it. Because a lot of that stuff is a sometimes a highly guarded secret and like or some of them are, are, are just stories that you hear kind of in passing, but you don't really have uh, the story from the horse's mouth. So it kind of gives this in-depth like look at this world. And also too, especially since gaming is now becoming this like massive juggernaut or has been this massive juggernaut, but is, is slowly creeping up on these other forms of entertainment that we all know and love, especially during now the pandemic where people have to stay at home 
uh, gaming has become mm-hmm. a, a favorite, you know, a medium and people are, are coming back to it as well. So it was actually kind of well-timed by Netflix. And um, I don't know if they did it on purpose, but I mean, whoever, whoever decided to drop it now, good on you. But uh, yeah, and so you, and you get to learn about some things that you, did, you may not have known too, especially for our generation too. Like I'm right in that generation where this stuff was happening, but I was too young to understand it. So it's mm-hmm. good. It's a great look back at some of those things and to learn some new things too that I had no clue about. And that's something I thought was really cool about watching this is there's a couple, well, there's a few things I had, but one of the thoughts I had was, is have video games been around long enough to where they're now part of our history um, from that perspective? Cause it's really still only about a 40 year old, 45, 50 year old genre. Mm-hmm. But after watching this, it's like so much has happened in that 40 years or so that yeah, it is history. And to kids growing up now, if they were to look at Pong and Pac-Man and all those kind of OG games, they would be like, this is so basic. And this is like, so simple. But without all that, you wouldn't have Fortnite, you wouldn't have Call of Duty, you wouldn't have um, World of Warcraft, you know, the MMOs and all that stuff. And, and I thought that was kind of a, just as I was watching, I'm like, man, so much of these things led to so many of these things that we have today. And it was just really cool to see kind of dissected like that. Yeah. I, when, when you kind of introduced it, I, I already have the title for this episode. It's, it's high score and the history of video games. Cause I, I see it from a historical perspective. Um, it remind this, the way this whole thing was produced and, and kind of, uh, well, just, just the way it was produced reminds me of a, a documentary that came out in 1995, I think called Triumph of the Nerds. And Triumph of the Nerds, if you haven't seen it, is a fantastic like four, three or four part series on the history of computing up until that point, up until 1995. Now it's been 25 years since then, but that, that history um, going back to like the early days of, of the, the first like transistor computers, um, the uh, like the the punch card programming into um, when they finally got into actual electronic computers and and some of those first devices that they were using at at, uh, at like Harvard and the homebrew uh, what was it, homebrew club um, that they were just doing this computing and then it gets into Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak and it plays out in much the same way that this this series did. Um, and, and of course, a lot of the footage is from the seventies and eighties and early nineties. So it's all very similar, right? Um, if you haven't seen that, I used to show it to, uh, my computer class, uh, back at our old school, Jake, and I thought it was a great intro to the history of computing. So this played out like that and just, you know, one thing led to another, but also a lot of the big, um, advancements happened early we've just kind of built on those advancements like jumping from text to graphics and then graphics to three-dimensional and then it's kind of like we really haven't pushed past there's not really anywhere to push past it's just gotten more and more detailed right and so i've seen some of the footage of the unreal 5 engine which is astounding right and to think back 30 years ago we were still like just breaking through 3d in games and now we've got Unreal 5 Engine. And if you haven't taken a look at that, you have to. Beautiful. And, and uh, 
going back to, well, I guess I just want to ask this question to everybody. What was the console that you had growing up? Or if you didn't have it, what was the console that your friends had that you always go to their house to play? Nintendo. You were a Nintendo? Like just N- a straight NES. NES? NES, okay. yep. How about you, Terrence? So I, I was a bit of a, I, I was an only child, so I was a little bit spoiled. So I had, <laughs> I had just, just, just about everything. But I, I, the big ones that I had were definitely the Sega for the first run through. And then the um nintendo 64 that's the big that's the most formative one for me and i like i had the nes too but i remember like not playing it very much too because like like and it was it's, it's weird to think about too now with all the audio setups and video setups that we have but my mom and i couldn't figure it out how to put it into like the our tv at the time like you know with the red white and like <laughs> yeah. yellow cord and like getting the right ones together and like now some I, tvs I look didn't at, have those three chords right yeah mm-hmm. and, and you have to buy the little part that like turns it into like a coaxial thing too as well. Yep. So like, I remember waking up like one day, my mom finally had Mario, Super Mario Brothers going. And I was so excited to play that. And like, that was like my first system. But like, I didn't, I didn't have any formative like memories or things like that until Sega came along. And then especially when Nintendo 64 came along. Mm-hmm. I mean, I rem- oh, go ahead. Oh. Uh, for me, uh, it was the system I had growing up was Sega. Uh, I probably eat, sleep, and breathed. What was that? Sonic Hedgehog two, mm-hmm. type of thing. And yeah, yeah. No, but, my wife told me about those marathons that you guys had. Yeah, and I, I, I was especially evil brother when I go to friends' houses. I would go and I would hide the power cord. Supposed <laughs> that she couldn't like get a better score than me or get be better at it than me until like oh you know. Oh my gosh! Wow, <laughs> that's cruel. <clears throat> that's diabolical, and I love it. Oh. oh, she'd totally break into my room and find it. Like yeah, uh, like I even had it like slit in my like my mattress type of thing that I'd hide it in, <laughs> like in a, and she'd find it there. I'm like, how does she even look there? You know, that's I did. Awesome. So I have a confession, Jake. Oh, what was yours first of all? <laughs> Oh, we, um, you know what? It's funny because I remember getting a Nintendo for Christmas from my dad and I was like gobsmacked. I didn't think I was like, I didn't ask for it. And I was just like, this is awesome. And, um, I got the Nintendo and I played that. I played a lot of Final Fantasy one and, um, Crystalis, Crystalis, which were two kind of RPG games, um, back in the day. Um, but then, it wasn't that much longer until the Sega came out. And then I was all about Sonic the Hedgehog and Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. And, but it, it took me a while before I got a Genesis because my dad's like, I just bought you an intent. Like he wasn't, like he wasn't going to give me a Sega after getting Nintendo. So, but that was one where I'd like, if my friends had a Sega, I would go to their house and play Sega and stuff like that. Was that N64 Goldeneye? or whatever that was yep. a few years later that was like 98 yeah. or something because there's a yeah. super nintendo in there as well which yeah. i think mm-hmm. for me i had the nintendo but then the super nintendo was the next step up and i had a lot more time with the super nintendo i don't i don't think i had we had the n64 but i don't remember given a whole lot of time um but all three of you talked about the sega genesis and i think uh in in the the show high score it talks about how sega genesis tried to appeal to being like the cooler the older brother and Mm -hmm. part of my personality is when i see something that's really cool 
or really like trendy, I, I, I shove it off and I'm like, no, I don't want any part of that. And that starts, I think with Sega Genesis. Cause that was like, Oh, all the cool kids. And I'm like, well, I'm not one of the cool kids. I like Nintendo, you know, all the cool kids like Pepsi, Pepsi's gross. I like Coke. And so I've always kind of done that. It's been my MO mm-hmm. for a long time. So I was, I was a Nintendo kid through, through it all. And even when it comes to like Xbox, when I finally got an Xbox, uh, it was a 360. Um, and it was, you know, a few years ago as an adult, it was then, well, I'm Xbox. I don't, I don't deal with PlayStation. That's for chumps or whatever. So it's good. It's always been like, I'm choosing one and not the other. Um, yeah. So I'm going to sign off because you're all Sega Genesis nerds and I don't like you. <laughs> Well, well, funny, like though, sorry, go ahead, like, Terrence. No, go ahead. So, like you're saying though, like so Sega, I think came after us. I think we're right in that age group that they wanted, mm-hmm. like probably like you know, like 10, 11, 12 and trying to like, yeah, like oh, you know, like I don't want to be like the Nintendo kids and like oh, look what look what Sonic does or like look. And I, I love that famous quote, that quote like uh, uh Sega does what Nintendo don't. And yeah. like I, I don't, yeah. I don't even remember that as a kid, but I just remember like okay, that's pretty cool. Like I I'm, do I'm remember sure... the the Sega thing. And that yes. drove me nuts. Yes. <laughs> drove me up the wall. Oh, I'm sure. That's I, what they I, did. I was like... Nick, I was Nintendoing all over the place. <laughs> yeah, but if you look at the two, and this is why I did like Sega, and and is that they, you know, they had the fighting games, which is super popular when I was in middle school. Was the fighting games, and by that point, Nintendo. I mean, yeah, they had, they had Mario and and they had Final Fantasy, the RPG stuff that I liked, but that was all eight bit, and it was all like. Eh, you know but then street fighter 2 came out and then mortal Kombat came out and those were like just awesome and even the platform game sonic if you compare that to any of the marios everything is faster right that was the whole point of sonic is faster and there's more action and i think well even when you know, mortal Kombat time there, finally came to nintendo and i think it was super nintendo that mm-hmm. mortal Kombat came mm-hmm. to first they cut the blood remember it, yeah. was, it was all grayed out, right? So it was like sweat. Um, and so Nintendo was, they were they were careful because they knew what their audience was. They mm-hmm. also knew that there's a lot of parents involved uh, more with Nintendo. And, you know, the, the irresponsible parents gave their kids Genesis. So mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so I remember, you know, they, they kind of censored that. Um, and so it did, they did finally get those games but it took a while it was always kind of an afterthought mm-hmm. and that's something that nintendo's kind of continued up to this day mm-hmm. right they don't they don't really do the violence that's not something they've, they've stuck with you know mario party for i felt like 15 years just doing different mario parties and and, and I, I saw terrence you were tweeting about some mario game that you were playing mm-hmm. just recently yeah so they so Nintendo's very smart and they know that Nintendo fan base is like just super loyal, but they re-released three of their like big Mario games. So Super Mario Galaxy, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario 64 mm-hmm. all into one uh, game on the Nintendo Switch. Now I missed yeah. out on two of those games, so Sunshine and Galaxy. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna buy this. But all the people that have already played it before is like, okay, I'm gonna play it because it's an HD remake, it looks better, yeah. you know, and all this other good stuff. So but they're they're very smart. In that sense. And, oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say they're very smart in that sense, but then also a little bit to your point, they're also starting to come into that 
that feel where like, okay, we know uh, we have our family market, but we also want those other third party games to be on our platform where, you know, there's maybe a little bit more violence or a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, action or something like that. And, you know, not everything comes to the, to the console, but like some of the stuff that's super popular does. Yeah. But I remember when they finally did get into the fighting game arena, it was Smash Brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Like they had Mortal Kombat, but when they finally made their own, they're like, we're going to do Smash Brothers. We're going to take all our favorite characters and have them fight. And it was all cartoony and harmless fun, you know, largely. But, but it was still wildly popular. Like I mm-hmm. love playing Smash Brothers. And then obviously GoldenEye was the the king of the hill for the longest time. But um, yeah, it was weird that the differences between Nintendo and Sega. And then one real quick aside is I remember, I think this was like in middle school, I went to somebody's house for like a party and they're like, oh, do you got, do you want to play video games? I'm like, yeah, I'd love to play video games because I didn't know anybody there. And so I went to this guy's room with, you know, where his kids had their playroom and he pulled out the video games and it was literally like an Atari with Pong. And I'm like, this is not video games. Like Sega, <laughs> where's the Sega? Where's the Nintendo even? Like, but I should have known better because he just said video games. It's like, do you want a soda? And then you get an RC Cola, right? Like you don't get, yeah. you don't get anything <laughs> or a, good. Or a like, Pepsi. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it was, it was a good time. Um. I noticed a, and I guess I want to a touch on this theme is, is kind of like um, watching this arc is standing on the shoulders of giants kind of thing that happened as we watched the series, um, you know, and like Eric, you already touched on it going from, you know, from arcade games, physical, large arcade games. And then they modded them with missile command, super missile command, and then Ms. Pac-Man. And then they went to consoles but then at the time, consoles could only play one game at a time. So they figured out cartridges and then to 16-bit, to 3D, to open world, to RPG, like all these developments, all these developments were built on one another. And the, the parallel that kept coming into my mind was cars and automobiles and like how quickly things went from the horseless carriage with the internal combustion engine to now we have Teslas and cars that can basically drive themselves and, and all those, you know, from... Henry Ford and, and the assembly line to the Model A to hot rods to muscle cars to, you know, all these changes. And it was that same thing. It's like, we look at games today and we go, man, this is amazing. These developers are awesome. And they are. But those developers in the 70s and 80s, they're like, well, what if we did this? I don't know. Let's try it and see what happens. Well, do yeah, we they- have permission from Atari? Nah, but let's just see what happens and we'll deal with that later. And they yeah, just we- did stuff. <laughs> When you're when you're co-opting the the teletype from your school that's not being used, and you make a text-based game, mm-hmm. out of uh, uh, there's there's no guidelines, and you just make the game. And I think that may have been my favorite episode was a role-playing episode, uh, where mm-hmm. where the one woman who whose husband and her created Sierra um, games, where she laid out the paper and just started drawing a game. She's like, this this is how yeah. it'll work. That's and, and she's like, I don't know how to program this. But then her husband eventually is like, well, I can do that. Yeah. I, and, and so I, I think, yeah, those people, they're, the kind of development that they're making, the advancements they're making in the 70s and 80s um, look really small to what we're used to, but they were the biggest steps taken. And now it's just a better engine, which 
is a big deal in itself, right? But still, it's mm-hmm. it's it's a uh, it's not the big leap. No, it's yeah. not the big leap anymore, too. But I think what's happening now, though, too, is like it's becoming more accessible, like the gaming development, and so. So a lot of people now, the indie scene is kind of a bigger thing too. Like you have like these bigger hits, like that come out of nowhere and like these three and four person teams uh, because they can just run in Unity and Unity is just like this engine uh, or game development. And you make this, you can make a game like not overnight, but you don't need a lot of resources or a lot of money even. You just need a lot of drive and a, and a talented team to make something. Like right now, there's a game called Among Us, which is a, it's, it's been out for two years was doing, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden it gets streamed on Twitch by a couple of streamers and it starts to blow up. And now mm-hmm. it's this phenomenon where the dev team is a three or four person team and they can't keep up with the demand for the service because how many people are want to play it. And it's a, it's an interesting, like, uh, I guess, I guess a little story about how, how things are changing and how things are, are, are making, so making it so that I guess everybody can get into gaming. You know, that reminds me yeah, that- um, there's another documentary. It's on Netflix called Indie Game, and I watched oh, that I years ago. It. It's about it's about independent game developers. It's from 2012, but it it follows like four or five small independent game developers and kind of everything they go through to make these these games. And uh, I think that's the name of it, Indie Game. I'd recommend it. But that reminds me of it. So I, that's one of my favorite things when I go to like to the conventions like PAX and that type uh PAX, PAX have that type of going. Uh there's sometimes simultaneously and sometimes it's a part of the convention, but there almost always will be an indie game either section or in or just happens to be in the motel next door an indie game convention going on at the same time where if you have a PAX ticket, it's free to walk in. Mm-hmm. You know, so but I, I love going and talking to them and listening because there's all there's so many of the we we see we see game development as this kind of linear thing now, but you know they did this and this and this, but there were hundreds of things that branched off it, died, people have forgot about type of thing. So the indie games are to me a lot of fun because you see what's what people are just even attempting to doing. Well, and I think that touches on another point that is happening in a lot of areas, but especially with gaming development is like. You know, in the early days of the video games, it was, you know, there was Atari, but then people are like, well, let's just try this thing and we'll see what happens. And then, and then, uh, was it Romero, the guy that did Doom? Yeah. And he was, and then he opened it up. He's like, if you buy a copy of Doom, go ahead and mod it. And I'm like, man, that was so cool. Like, just say, here's the game I made. It's awesome. But go ahead and make it better. Like, have fun with it and, and give people a chance to, to create. And I think that's a great thing. And I think, this world we live in is a, it's like a content creator's world. And, and especially with game development, like for the longest time, it was Nintendo versus Sega. And then it was Nintendo one. And then Microsoft jumped on the scene and PlayStation jumped in. And now those two have been battling it out for the last 15 years. But in that whole time, like you said, Terrence, there's, there's all these other people and groups that are, trying to create and develop their own game. And now with things like Twitch and, and YouTube and, and um, all these platforms that they can show their content, um, it's allowed them the freedom to kind of operate outside of the big two or three um, companies. And I think that's a really cool development um, for the future of gaming. 
Yeah, I'd say that there's there's a huge creative element, and I know that um, I'm sure my parents at some point, some of the parents kind of in that generation looked at games as <clears throat> simply consuming, right? You're just consuming mm. whatever it is, right? But I, it's taken a while, and even now, I'll look at, hey, I'm going to go play a game for a little bit. And I'll walk away and some, most of the time I'll feel like, man, I just, I wasted that time. That's time for another pursuit that I should have been working on. But the amount of creativity that, that comes from engaging in a game, because I remember uh, me and a friend would, we would actually draw plans for a leveled game, like the 2D levels, right? We'd create each room and we'd draw it out on graph paper. And, and we were doing that like in the early 1990s. Um, a favorite game of mine was Contra 3. And so we would kind of drop these levels on paper. Of course, we had no idea how we would get it anywhere from there. But also modifications. I played my favorite game of all time is the Civilization series. And huh. Civilization 2 was easily modified. And that was the first game that I modded. And you just simply uploaded a new bitmap. And then all the, all the um, attributes were all in a uh, a txt document so you could go there and change all the attributes the names so i could change the game from these two documents it was amazing and it allowed me that creative freedom and uh, some, i have a question some, for you so sorry okay. so, sorry no, uh, for sorry. eric since you you played civ and i've heard this from other people did you learn a lot about history playing civ like was that, why your introduction I, that into, game like, history? is why i'm a history teacher that, that is legitimately why i'm a history teacher you're not alone so my, my buddy introduced uh, Civilization, the first one, to me when we were probably in junior high. <clears throat> and then we started high school, and he gave me the disc to Civilization 2, which had all the modification features to it uh, that were easily accessible. And I put that on my computer, and I played it. And I would play like 10 p.m. until 3 a.m., just building civilizations, and, and I would I would do that. And I learned about, you know, it's not like I learned the actual content of history, but I'm like, oh, here's this group of people. Here are their cities. Here are some attributes of them. And so then I studied it and studied it. So that game really fed my love of history. Um, and I played every iteration. I played a little bit of six, but it, it's on the switch, mm -hmm. but I don't like playing on a console. Um, actually, He's after watching that. Yeah, I am. Uh, after <laughs> watching the series, I actually picked up Civ five again. I haven't played it in months and I started playing this morning. So, and I'm not ashamed of it. And Kyle, what were you going to say? Sorry, I cut you off. Oh no, no, that's no. I just, uh, I don't even remember. Couldn't have been important. <laughs> I bet it was so good. Oh, it was, it was I, a... actually, are you wearing an NMU shirt? Actually, I uh, am. just randomly. I, I was like, I am. <laughs> NMU pride. Yes. There yep, we go. It's a great day to be a wildcat. Well, most most people see you're you're one of the few successful ones. Most of us were were wild. <laughs> Here's your coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, um, Eric. You kind of touched on something. What was your favorite game? I know you said the Civ game. I was going to ask that question. Jerk. Okay. Do you want right. to ask it? No, you did. <laughs> Kyle, what was your favorite game? Was it Sonic or was it something else? Uh, honestly, my. I could pretend a whole bunch of things, but I am honestly. You can say, say all time, not just as a kid, but video, video game all time. I, I will say pre two thousand two, 
type of like pre pre like when I got hit super nerdum type of thing. Uh, it was Tetris actually. I absolutely loved the Game Boy game Tetris. Yeah. Like I got it so that I could beat that was at level nine five in like forty seconds type Jeez. of thing. Wow, I'm so bad at Tetris. I'm so I, bad at it. I but yeah. But I remember when I got a Game Boy and that was the only game I had and I did not do well. I struggled mightily with playing Tetris. I used to that that was that was the downfall for any academic hope. That was Yeah. Like, that was it. That, that was just I remember just like playing like with the flashlight because you had to have the 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 the, the, out, the external light for it. So it was that green screen. But here's what's funny, right? With Tetris is like if you have your cell phone today, all Tetris is is Candy Crush. Oh yeah, like they're the same game basically, it's, right? Except Candy Crush is prettier with more colors and lights. Well, but it's Doctor Mario, or Doctor yeah. Mario. Yes. Well, Doctor Mario was was built on Tetris, right? Like it's yep. it came after. Yeah, it's again it's yeah. that step thing where it's just some re retooling of stuff, but. Yeah, so think about how simple Tetris is in terms of concept and how many games on people's phones are as simple or simpler than Tetris. And people Mm -hmm. just pull it up and they'll just click away. The only difference now is that after every level of Candy Crush, you're going to have to watch an ad to go to the next level, whereas Tetris (laughs) is just the game. That's true. How about you, Terrence? What was your favorite game? Uh, so I, I have, I have a couple, impact. unfortunately. So I guess as a kid, uh, GoldenEye, that's the, again, that's the game that sparked my gaming love and passion and whatnot. And so we, I've, we used to play, and I got really good at it because you had to get good at it because I had a, a big friend base. And how mm-hmm. we would play is um, you only live once type. The, the, like, or it, like it's, uh, it's the instant kill. You get shot once and you're, yeah, yeah. you're dead. And so if you get shot, you would pass the controller off. And so yeah. like, in order to stay on, you had to do a lot of killing. So it made you get good really fast. And like, and so, but then the thing that got me back into gaming, because, you know, I went to college and I was like, oh, I'm going to be a big, you know, a big college dude. I'm not going to play video games anymore. And then I walked past a room and they were playing <laughs> Halo 2. That was and I you? was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how I met Jake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I literally just invited myself in while you were playing Counter Strike. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Halo Two did it for you. Halo Two. I was, I was, Kyle. I was, I was gonna go on a completely other path, and I, I don't know if you remember. Uh, oh man, Dylan Shiver and uh, some other. I don't want to say other names, but like they were in in Sorry, West Dylan, Hall. Yeah, and I remember walking into a room, and they were talking about like, hey you should come in here because we are playing halo 2 and we're talking to these kids on the internet for the first time like you know it was mm-hmm. like first like xbox live type thing yep and these little kids are giving us crap and i'm like what okay so I'm, I'm, i'll go in and watch this and i walk into the tv walk into the room and i see on the tv i see a needler and i see it explode on mm-hmm. somebody for the first time and i was just like what is this i need to play yeah. this right now and so <laughs> it's like and since then just dove right back into it because before Halo, GoldenEye was it, right? GoldenEye was the pinnacle of first-person shooters, and then, and then Halo came out on the Xbox, mm-hmm. and it. And was I missed that. I completely missed Halo. Else. I missed it. And then, what it was Unreal. Oh, and then tournament Unreal Tournament. That was yeah. a whole game, though. Counter Strike. Yeah. You missed. You missed. You, you forgot Counter Strike. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but those that's were what those I were console based. Those were yeah. Those were console. No, those all PC PC. Counter Strike was on the computer, and so yes. Counter Strike I had, I had modded it, but I had downloaded uh, Day of Defeat, which is a World War II mod, mm-hmm. on Counter Strike, which I'm almost certain predated Call of Duty. Um, oh yeah, probably, probably by a few years. I'd imagine. But, but I, I think know, that was it. Like, go ahead. Well, just kind of your in terms of that, that college experience, right? Because uh, I know, Jake, I came in one day and I, I knew you at that point, but you're sitting at my computer just playing this game. And I'm like, uh, what do I do with this person? Like, I'm not very assertive. <laughs> I'll just stand here for a few minutes. But we would... And now we're best friends. Yeah. And uh, Joel, <laughs> Joel had the... It was a PlayStation, right? And he had FIFA on there, he but he also had Final Fantasy. And I remember... Yep. I remember because you would play that thing and you were you were like, I'm going to defeat this game. And our other friend, Joel, came over and started trying to give you advice and try this, try that. And you got you got pretty upset and you just threw the controller yeah, down and left because you you wanted what to did he win do? legitimately. Well, he picked it up and started yeah. playing. I know he did. He didn't even care. He was totally on <laughs> face. But you, like, no, you, were, you were insistent on, I'm going to win this in the most pure form possible. <laughs> what was that? Final Fantasy? That one was eight. So I beat Final Fantasy VII, and then we were on to Final Fantasy VIII, and I was literally on the final boss. He's like, well, here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. I'm like, shut up. Let me beat it myself. <laughs> the backseat gamer. Oh, yeah. I love and him. I literally and then- threw the controller, and I walked out away, and then he literally picked it up and beat the boss for me. I'm like, <laughs> so I remember- One hand that just- Whichever Final Fantasy it was, and I was never really into Final Fantasy. Oh, I remember. It was eight. I remember. Okay, okay. I'm just saying, game. I remember so much of that particular game. I just watched you guys play it. And I remember there was like that that game that was kind of like soccer that was the mini game. And the the main boss was just called Sin. And that's, I just remember oh, that, was, kind of that was that was 10. Was it? Zidane. <laughs> and they were playing like Blitzball. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I just remember these these images that are kind of characteristic of everything's a dream in college. No. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, uh, it was fun to watch that, but I was never really into Final Fantasy. I never knew much about it. Which is weird, because for me, when I had my Nintendo NES, it was Final Fantasy and this other RPG called Crystallis. And they were open-world RPGs, and I just thought they were awesome. And then when PlayStation came out with Final Fantasy VII, I'm like, what is this? Like, at the time, the graphics were unbelievably great, and, and the story was awesome. And I was going to say... There is the scene in seven where who's okay, who's played Final Fantasy Final Fantasy Seven? I've not played it, but I know enough about it though. But okay. So in Final Fantasy Seven, the bad guy, the big bad is Sephiroth. Sephiroth. Mm-hmm. And there's this scene where Cloud is talking to Eris and Sephiroth comes down in the from like the super height and stabs her with his super long sword and kills Eris. And she's like kind of a love interest, but just this really pure girl. And like it was, it was one of the first times I remember having like an emotional reaction in a video game. Like before I'd played video game, like you don't care that much about Sonic or Mario other than if you get angry, if you can't beat it or something like that. Yeah. But like, you don't actually care about the characters or at least I didn't. But with this one, I'm like, oh, no, she can't be dead. Can I bring her back? Is there any way I can say like, and yeah. you know, it was just weird how- Are you gonna be okay? I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. It's, Tough. I like. I want to go back and play it again and see if I can save her. Um, well, they just that's re-released where, it, didn't they? Oh yeah, I think they've re-released it a couple times now. They kind of redone all those later Final Fantasy games. Um, 
but I think I stopped playing after 10 because of Joel. So thanks a lot. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm really mad that my like closet nerd art didn't go off on Terrence type of thing. I was really I'm, good at spotting the nerds in West Hall. You, you know what's funny? I think we, we had a very fleeting moment here uh, playing Smash Bros once and I um because I was I was I'm I'm not I'm not good pro level but I'm good enough in like the neighborhood type level mm -hmm. and I remember playing I think it was you you guys were playing in the in the in West Hall on that big TV out in that living room oh, area yeah. once and I was like oh can I play Smash Bros like you guys were like yeah and I could I could see like yeah they're underestimating me they don't think I play this game no not knowing that my entire like childhood was built off like super competition against my friends and smash and all in six in 64 games and like but this was on the the gamecube and this was um the second one. i think it's like melee and so i was like okay let's see and i remember like playing like and just check, filling you guys out a little bit and then like okay it's time to drop the hammer now and then like oh man he won isn't it like, funny <laughs> how we all suss each other out as nerds? Like we all like mm -hmm. kind of like test the waters and push a little bit to see how you respond. Yeah. To kind of like, hey, do you want to play Halo? Because that's not too nerdy. And then you like see how how invested they get into it. And then from there, they're like, all right, so you're going to go do a Dungeons and Dragons campaign? Like, <laughs> totally work your way up to how <laughs> nerdy. I have a funny Jake, story are those, about that. Are you wearing pointed ear prosthetics? <laughs> uh, maybe. Yeah. I, I got so I'm I'm six foot four and obviously black and I got so I got stereotyped once by who's now one of my really good friends right now like he's like like fraternity brother really good friend and but like we didn't know each other very well but he knew I played video games and so he was just like he wanted to like you know just kind of you know get into the same level with me and like you know, talk or whatever and he's like hey um you know you play video games right like yeah he's like um so do you play Madden and I hate Madden I hate all sports games <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. And I'm like, and I, and I was just like, you know, no, man, I don't play Madden. Like, I don't like him. Like, I play Halo, not knowing that Halo, like, is his favorite franchise. And if he would just said Halo, would have been like on a, on the right foot in the beginning. And like, but I was just like, no, nah, I play Halo. And he's just like, what? He's like, yeah, like I love. He's like, you need to come over next week or whatever, sometime, and play Halo with me. And so, and we've been playing games ever since. That's awesome. There you go. Yeah. You know, and I, th I think it was funny. Another one of the themes. I saw in this episode or in this series was kind of like find people finding a place to belong. Like in the first episode, there was Rebecca Heineman, who's transgender, um, but she won the Space Invaders tourney. It's like in 1984. And those tourneys were so basic back then. Like it was like literally like, come on in and play. Like uh, that was the end of the story. And uh, and um, and they're like, all right, you won. Here's a jacket. Congratulations yep. for winning the national tournament. And then there was like Ryan Best who invented that RPG, but it was like LGBT based. And then Gordon Bellamy, the guy from Madden, who was the first one to put black football players on Madden, which is I, I like, I've never really gotten into Madden either. So I guess it was never something that I was like, oh yeah, duh. But it was, it was like, was it 94, 95 when that mm -hmm. edition of Madden yeah. came out? It was so provocative that the football players are black. And I'm like, blows my mind well i yeah. didn't even think about it when i first saw yep. it i'm like oh they don't have actual they don't have specific teams um mm -hmm. this is all just very like just 11 players that's it mm -hmm. but compared to tecmo bowl which was i guess the football game before then it was so much better yeah. but yeah it was so it was still super basic yeah and that that scene blew my mind actually i didn't because I, I guess my first madden that i did play was like 96 so like you know i've always just grown up with that and like 
but it's just like, oh man, like you don't think about some of the certain, the little things, the little steps that need to be taken in order to just like, I guess, be a, a, a true reflection of, of, of mm-hmm. our world or of our society. So it's well, kinda, it's, it's and what did Gordon say? He said like, you know, as a black man, I think he says it, and he's also a gay black man. He goes, we're always trying to find our space. And he goes, but for a game to have us as the default, it's like, you don't realize how important that is to us. And so by him making that game or developing the game where he could say, yeah, no, there's black players and they're the default. Like that was a huge thing for him to be able to contribute to. And I thought that was really cool is that, is that these games, even the mainstream ones like, like Madden or the one that Ryan Best did, the RPG, it's like, it allows people not just nerds, but people from all walks of life to kind of say, you know, here I can have my space and I can be me without having to worry about, I guess, the outside world influencing that. And it's just something I'd never thought of. Um, but it's kind of cool to see those stories popping up throughout this documentary. I mean, that's one of my, one, one of the, one of the many reasons why I like MMO RPG things where you can create where you can create your own avatar type mm-hmm. of thing because you can you can be who you want to be type of thing and the option there isn't a I, I don't know I this you know it's not hey you have to be the the little the little guy anymore and to be for a very long time the little white guy type of thing you can be whoever the hell you want to be and you can you know go online and meet people and it's, uh, I, it actually, uh, I know a lot of people will do the voice chat in games, but almost nobody does the video chat because it's weird to see, to me at least, it's weird to see people instead of their avatar. Because to me, they're a six, you know, when, I, when I'm playing games, they're, there's, you know, a three foot gnome type of thing with green hair, you know, like I, it's yeah. weird to see them as, us type of thing mm-hmm. as a zoom me, call it just doesn't to me, make that's any just sense a, that's just a second grader during spirit week <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I do think that's interesting the the ability and i think that's you know i i civilization is by far my favorite game of all time and that series but i've really enjoyed the role-playing games i enjoyed dungeons and dragons in college i enjoyed playing world of warcraft jake we've had a lot of good times and the ability to kind of project an avatar or a character, maybe a little bit different than myself, something uh, where I can take something on. But I think because I played Grand Theft Auto series as well, there's something about uh, the the one gentleman who developed Ultima in that that there's a code of behavior, that there's a code of, you know, we still want to up, uphold right and wrong. And so we want to reward good and we want to discipline wrong and i thought that was really interesting that he would implement that and i forget which version of ultimate was that if uh if you if you stole from a store you couldn't buy anything there anymore and if you if you just executed people all over the place they weren't going to help you and i i thought that was really a clever way of saying let's 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 not just let it be a free-for-all let's try to implement some good through this this whole situation. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he had the actual term avatar, right? So it's a projection of yourself into the game. Uh, even if it doesn't have all the attributes that would bring on uh, different 
uh, prejudices or biases. Um, it's still you taking action in that world. So. Yeah. I, I thought that was really cool is that with the open world games and the RPGs is that it was, those are the first games like Ultima and what was it? The cave one. I can't remember what it was Colossus called, top of my head. Colossus cave, you know, and those are ones where like your decisions affect the F game, not just mm -hmm. like run on the screen, scroll, shoot as many baddies as you can and hope you survive like Contra or, or like in Mario. It's like, no, you have decisions to make and that'll affect how this game plays out. And, and from that, right, from those basic, and you, like you said, in the first ones, you couldn't even, there wasn't even an image. It was just, you typed it into a computer and then it said, all right, you fell into a pit. Now what do you do? Like, and now it's, it's World of Warcraft or the Witcher series or like all these other open world games where it's like, you can kind of do whatever you want, but there's consequences for those actions. Um, you know, yeah, go ahead and, you know, do a bunch of stuff, but um, in World of Warcraft, at least your reputation with certain factions and certain groups will go up or down based on the decisions you make and, and you'll find your alignment changes based on that. And um, I'm sure other, I mean, that's the only open world game I really play, but I'm sure there's others that... Um, the original EverQuest had what were called action standings. So, mm -hmm. like, it, uh, you, you could complete quests to, um, to increase your factions because you couldn't get into certain towns without having a good, like, they wouldn't sell to you. Oh. They would, and they would literally kill you, um, if you were, if your faction was too low. So, if you went around and, like, thought it was fun to kill all the guards, you can kill all the guards, but, uh, eventually the whole town, like you walk through and the whole town will riot and kill you. And they never did, and they never did an EverQuest what they did in uh, WoW where the, like the banker was always the strongest person. It didn't matter how high you leveled. It was, the banker was like a, the ultimate boss type of thing. He just like one shot, like a hundred, hundred level, whatever. It was like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Here's your coins, <laughs> but but I mean, but they they had some problems with it because in the in the beginning you could like pickpocket people like other players, like your fact your faction would go down, but you could literally steal from players in game, and oh, wow. they, they they found that was a terrible idea because everybody like everybody just like, I'm gonna stole from I was like I'm gonna be a rogue. <laughs> yeah, just, just griefing people at that point, just yeah. like doing it just to be doing it. Yeah. And I guess that's that's uh, the uh, I guess the side thing the the culture that developed what is and is not acceptable in gaming is because like in WoW it's okay if we're different factions to kill each other but, or you know kill it but, versus alliance yeah yeah but it was considered like a really jerk move to like be running by it was more offensive to like run by and heal the uh, the person the creature that you were killing than for the for the border alliance person to just outright hit you it's a, it's like okay if you're gonna kill me kill me but don't be a dick type mm -hmm. of thing there's there's a weird there's a weird there's a weird code there's that's... a weird code that's developed that's really kind of interesting yeah. but... all right so i have a i have a question for terrence um and maybe this is this is this is getting off the rails from high score but um tell us uh you have capitance is that Mm -hmm. TV correct. on YouTube mm -hmm. and, and some other places. 
um, kind of your, your content that you're creating there on YouTube. Tell us about what that is and what you're doing. Yeah. So it's, I guess Capitan's TV is kind of like my, like you said, like how I'd create my content and the, under the, the name and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I do a lot of gaming things right now because gaming has kind of like been my passion, like my hobby. And it's actually been my employment for a couple of years before uh, now. And so um, just getting into it and, like, and getting back to talking about games and, 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 and sharing my passion for games. And like, it, al- it also started out to be like, Oh, I'm I'm in the, the middle of the you know the quarantine and I'm consuming a lot of content right now. I could probably talk about that content and you know and like repurpose it and repackage and put it up on some on some uh, on some you know content creator site. And then as I was slowly doing it, I was like, well, you know, I kind of like this, but I'm also playing a lot of games and there's a lot of gaming news and I think I have a lot of interesting insight into gaming because again kind of worked in the gaming industry for a little bit as well so it's just like okay let's 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 take some of that knowledge and some of that training that i have and and, and see what i can do with it on my own so not to be overly not to be overly interviewing but what did you do in the gaming industry sorry so I, so yeah i so i worked in a decade or two yeah i know right <laughs> so i've been i've worked on a, a couple of uh, microsoft and xbox projects so i was telling jacob this so before started on the support side and then moved from support into a thing called the Xbox Ambassadors, where there's um, yep. gamers that help games. So you, you know, if for people that are listening that don't know, but it's basically gamers that help gamers. You have issues with your Xbox and whatever. Is that and like so the Nintendo game ran. counselors? Did you have a jacket? A little. I didn't. Ha- I do have a jacket oh. actually, but it's not. It's, oh. it's not like that. I do. Have, I just. It's not as cool as that one that has. You walk like, around the, the mall ga- and everyone gets all. Excited. It's actually this cool. It's actually this cool Gore-Tex jacket that's like got my my gamer tag on the back and like it's perfect for living so in not, Seattle because it's like rainproof. Not bright blue satin. No, it's it's then black with the green with the green. Yeah, no, no. I don't have a mullet either, you know, hanging out the back, you know. Um, but no, so I I did that the Xbox Ambassadors, and then I moved into um from there, and so so actually, sorry, my my role in the Xbox Ambassadors was to be in charge of the streaming sections. So like. All the streaming, so that's kind of how I kind of like developed like my on-camera personality and whatnot. And so having to do streams three to five days a week for you know people and and as as for a job, you know, and to do it well, you know, you kind of learn quickly. Uh, and then from there, the streaming service mixer that Microsoft purchased was like, okay, hey, we have a, a producer job open where you get to uh, write scripts, direct shows, and um, but also do some on-air hosting too as well. Mm. So I was doing, I was doing that for about a year and then budget season came and so mm. half of my team got chopped but it was for the best though because i got released from that and now i'm in my current role which is where I'm, I'm thriving it's no longer gaming related but social media management but it's something that is i think there's a future in and something that can do well so yeah. cool so, that's awesome i i will say i've been watching your videos and trying to use them as an excuse to Convinced my wife to buy the next new Xbox, but she hasn't cracked on that yet. So. <laughs> you, uh, Xbox All Access is twenty five dollars a month. She, I tell she her, won't know. she won't. She just know. gives me that stare, and then I walk away. So yeah, I don't. I don't blame you. I don't. I do not blame you whatsoever. So yeah. that is a terrifying stare. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I hope so we, she hears uh, it too. I, you know, I, I was watching High Score last night. It's probably in episode five, I think, and it got into the esports. Mm-hmm. So I picked up my phone, I texted my administrator and another teacher, and I said, um, we should start an esports team. 
we should start the esports league. And then he comes back and says, CIF, which is California Interscholastic Federation, already has an esports platform. So California's high school level sports already has this stuff ready to go. They've already got stuff in their handbook. So I just said, we got to do this at the junior high level. Like I, Mm -hmm. so I coach basketball and uh, I just get that, that sense that it's not going to be quite the season we've had in the years past. Right. So I'm trying to pivot to something that, that might work like esports. So, Mm -hmm. and then, then my school can buy me a brand new Xbox and PlayStation five. Yeah. Obviously the, computer lab will be decked out and esports is a is a giant thing that's it's still kind of brand new like it's kind of like it's started in like people's basements you know and whatever like land parties and whatnot and now it's this like million dollar industry and like i and i, and I applaud you for getting into the, the trying to get the esports going in your school because i guarantee you there's a lot of the kids there that are going to be that are interested that, that feel like oh you know there's nothing really there for me but then oh we have an esports team and you know i don't know how successful they'll be but because it's, it's a very competitive scene um, well as this other teacher said he's like this will be great because then i can just own them all in the game <laughs> and i'm like all right <laughs> yeah, whatever <laughs> okay. works i mean i was yeah, gonna kind of- use it to build build community and character and and all these highfalutin yes. virtues and he's just gonna use it to destroy children in Fortnite. I'm gonna just cool. And he, he hey, well, may you're, be you're in keeping for- you're, you're keeping with the tradition of kids and athletics. Yeah, yeah, but how much how much different is that than when we dunked on the kids in uh in our teachers versus students basketball hey. games? <laughs> so I but I mean, yeah, we, oh, we dominated them, but after about 10 minutes, we were most of us were kind of winded. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I started playing primarily defense. Yeah, but <laughs> don't be surprised though if you get destroyed by some of these kids though because they oh, are oh, at, i don't they, i don't oh. play enough to beat yeah. them at these they're, games they're at the age too where the things come quick and they yeah. process and like they learn quicker and like it's like okay no my so. my seven and nine year old i i we have two computers out in our uh kind of i don't know where we put the computers not an office it's kind of a craft room and uh, i put minecraft on both of them big mistake huge yeah. um so my daughter will start the the game on the the newer computer, open it to the LAN. My son will jump on that that game, and they'll just be in there together. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's wild. I love the open world, completely open world, creative uh, ability that they have in there because they're doing things that that I didn't do. And I, I'm the one who started playing Minecraft, and they've just gone beyond me. We're crazy. We're we're tricking our son into learning to code for through for Minecraft. Mm-hmm. Minecraft education is that it? Yep. What do you think? Mm-hmm. The, yeah, the Minecraft coding. Yep. So that kind of brings me to my, my, I guess my last question is, um, what is the next technology, right? Because we talked about it, like how we went from the arcade games to the consoles to 3D to open world stuff. So what's next? What's Augmented, the next? I think. I think the next giant leap will be uh, augmented reality. And what, what I mean by that is things like, uh, because the technology is just getting there, because the biggest, the biggest, in my opinion, obstacle from augmented reality and that stuff is having to wear a head, headset or having to wear something along those lines. But we're now getting, making the steps where there are now contacts. Are, are, are you talking augmented or virtual? Augmented. Where like so, you walk, 
So like if I'm walking out in the street, okay, like yeah, I can would, already yeah, I can would Pokemon Go be an example of that? Yeah, Pokemon Go yeah, is a very crude, but stuff like uh, I can already hold my phone up and like, oh, you know, uh, one of my friends, you know, I, I see their avatar and like I hold up my phone and I don't see them, I see the avatar. And like with the new lenses that are contact lenses, all I will ever see is their avatar. If How I, wild is that? Like, mm -hmm. and so, you know, it's, it's not my, you know, five foot four, uh, short stocky friend. It's this six foot eight, like, uh, looks kind of like a jigglypuff. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's my, that's, that's my friend. And, uh, when we start getting, when those, when, when that type of thing, where what we see is, uh, if anybody's ever seen a ghost in the shell complex, yes. where, mm -hmm. where or any of the other sci-fi where you get the computer where you can either wear it or insert it where it's you kind become of, kind oh, of like ready ready player one yes where you, exactly yes, yep when you put the suit on and the haptic yep. feedback and all that stuff yep. i think i think that's yeah the the far future and what gaming yep. could be but who knows how we get there yeah what do you yeah. think uh terrence What's the next big I, leap? So I, th I think our next leap is going to be a, a small incremental one, actually, though. And it's kind of here-ish, but it's not fully worked out. It's um, it's uh, streaming, like, games from your, like, on a phone or something like that, or in a mobile platform, mm -hmm. a fully console or PC playable game on a smaller device now. Like, they're... And Amazon is getting to, into this, and so is Xbox, and I believe yeah. Google... And Google's already into this as well with Stadia. And so uh, Google Stadia and then Xbox... What they call it, like they call X Cloud, and then Amazon maybe like a week ago or maybe two weeks ago launched something called I think it was called Luna or something like that. So it's basically just streaming games um, wherever you are though too, not just at home like on the go as well, fully playable like like having Halo or or The Witcher Three on the go on your mobile device. So I think so that's where we're gonna go. The processing is happening elsewhere on a central server rather than yeah. on your phone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah huh. so it's on a, it's on a blade somewhere in a server farm type thing okay. uh and or and also you could play off your own console too as well so it's kind of like it's it's, it's it's all dependent upon how each developer is going about this but nice. um we're i think right now they're doing it at 1080p which is great you know it's fine but yeah. of course people want the more higher fidelity and so 4k is like the next big thing as far as like doing that on the go and so again getting the latency down to like where you can play an online shooter um without have without noticing like that that when you that move the controller yeah. yep when you move the controller and then your your person moves or whatever so yeah. that's i think that's our next big step as far as like right. to and, and getting more people involved in gaming who can't afford consoles too as well yeah do you think oh go ahead sorry well kyle you were gonna jump in on that point jake can get me oh, i i was just gonna ask uh terrence since you've been in the industry because with that type of thing, it's going to be a lot more pay per month type mm -hmm. of thing. Do you, what, what's your opinion on that? Like there, like when it goes to that, there's no way you'll ever be able to like own your console anymore. Yeah. And I, I, but, yeah. I think it's, I think it's twofold. I think it's one, uh, a piece for people like me who have consoles. So it, it's an addition to what I already own. Mm -hmm. But then two, it could be for people. So like, let's say you live in Brazil or somewhere where, oh, yeah, yeah. where you have a mobile device, but you can't afford an Xbox too, yep. because an Xbox in Brazil or a, a media device is like 
the markup is ridiculous. It's like double the cost of a US Xbox. It's ridiculous. Uh, but you, you, go ahead. But you have a mobile phone, and so now you want to you can start playing games with the price of a controller. That's it. So it's just like this thing that I think other other markets are going to start start to emerge even more so than they are now as this thing as this as this becomes on and they can afford a monthly subscription better than they can uh, uh, upright like a a, okay. a a lump sum cost at the beginning. Right, like do, any do subscription, that will... like a, the Adobe Creative Suite. Right, uh, the subscription monthly is is totally manageable to get in on the ground floor and just buy Photoshop or buy Premiere Pro or buy some of these programs. Uh, and they don't even have that anymore. I don't believe, but nope. it, it remo removes a barrier to entry, right? So rather than having to have an upfront cost, it's just the one monthly fee, but over time it's going to build up, but things will improve over time. You're going to get the next thing over time. So you're always just buying into constant improvement it makes and more money for I the guess, company and is easier for everyone to get into and yeah. maybe that'll finally crack there are some countries where a lot of countries especially in the middle east and whatnot where we're not allowed they're not allowed to own those types of controller like those types of gaming processors because of just i don't want to get too political but people could tear they, they're afraid that you could tear the the machine apart to use it to build like surface to air missiles or something so they're not allowed to play xbox they're not allowed to play type of thing so if what are you hiding microsoft device, what was that what are you hiding microsoft if you can build i, did, I didn't know raytheon was building my yeah. xbox <laughs> oh. it's good no, to know like i i that really confused me when i like at actually in west hall and now i forget his name uh, but just a just a well, I don't I forget his real name. I just remember his avatar name. But he was <laughs> he was from Iran, and he was like, I finally get to play. And I'm like, well, you couldn't afford one. He's like, No, you like you'd get arrested if you had one. Wow. Like you were you weren't allowed to have one. And I don't know if hmm. that's still that way today. But he's like, um, because they would yeah, there was and it wasn't it was less about the government their government. It was more about our government being freaked out that they had one so they were putting pressure that way so it, it, i guess so sorry weird tangent never mind <laughs> eric what do you think um technology wise ever since i've seen the unreal 5 demo i've, I've been kind of stuck on that um and again i don't you know it, it's hard to tell how much that is actually going to to work out in a game, but eventually we're going to get to the point, um, you know, going from like the game, the goal oriented, um, you know, where you're trying to always achieve a goal or get a treasure, or defeat somebody, the, the potential with something like the unreal five engine to put on a VR headset. And I, I know Jake, you've read the other land series by Tad Williams yes. where it's similar to ready player one where you kind of plug in and you can go, but really it's not about games in that it's about going to other places. Um, so something like that, being able to drop yourself into a nearly photorealistic place, whether it be fantastical and fictional or historical, um, 
I can imagine people getting completely addicted and stuck into something like that. Um, and being able to just the, the thought of being able to be like, well, I could go put on a VR headset and walk around some historical event and it's going to be photorealistic. It's going to look as real as possible. The lighting, the mm-hmm. sound, everything that, that goes beyond gaming that goes, goes into a whole other realm, but I, I I'm we, excited. We have to reality see vacations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can, can you imagine, uh, being like, well, I'm, I bought the Hindenburg experience. So I get to go stand in uh, New Jersey and watch this thing happen in front of me. Like, that's oh, kind of wild and kind of sick. Oh, come but, on. If, you were, if you were a crazy gamer, you'd be on the Hindenburg. Yeah, get off the <laughs> Hindenburg. <laughs> no, that's no, the just... challenge. Yeah, you, you can have the games involved. But, you know, I, I'm just, <laughs> I, I think of all these, you know, if, if that technology is available and they can make it look so real, we're pushing into some other boundaries where, you know, you can be with a text-based game for quite a while, but eventually it's just, you get kind of tired of text. But if you can look at something that looks real, you could get stuck, you know, it's kind of exciting though. Yeah. I mean, everybody, I mean, there's, what is that? Gamers anonymous people, people find escapism Mm -hmm. in a lot of different places. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's, I mean, it can be a great thing, but I I, I'm not sure if you were saying that is almost a warning or not. I, no, I, 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 I mean, no, I'm just, if it, if the, the line is so blurred between real, what reality looks like and what the game looks like, it just makes it that harder to differentiate. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Not really a warning. I, I'm really fascinated to see. I, I'd love to walk around like the Somme in 1916 and see what it looked like. You know, I have black and white photos, but to see it as realistic as possible would be something entirely different. Well, I, I, I hope that you're interested in doing that type of stuff because that's basically what I'm trying to build my career on, is trying to <laughs> trick people to do wanting to do that type of stuff. You don't have so. to trick me. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I, I think I, that technology is closer than you think, though, too. Like, yeah. I don't know about the photo real, photorealism of it, but like, I know uh, Microsoft has this thing called the HoloLens, and I've played uh, I've played ha- a Halo mission in it once, and it it's pretty. It's not. You came out with. Not, I, yeah, I didn't come. Yeah, I didn't come out with like you know needler marks in my <laughs> arm, but uh, but no, it's it's pretty good though, and like, I think, and this was a couple years ago too, so I'd imagine that as you know, if they stick with it, the the technology is going to keep iterating and iterating, and then creators like kyle will come along too as well and make something maybe even better you know and sell it to microsoft it happens all the time (laughs) i for i guess for gamers experiences would you want uh to like in ready player one i think you could actually feel pain or like you you would trick yourself into feeling i i don't know if i want that i don't think so either (laughs) but but there's there's people out there that want the full experience. Well, right, you know? well, think about it. When I'm playing uh, <clears throat> Call of Duty or Fortnite or whatever it is, uh, my controller like buzzes when the I get rumble hit. Rumble pack, right? Yeah. So when I get mm-hmm. hit, I I not I I not only see the red on the screen, I I feel it in my hands. So you take that to the haptic suit from Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. Like, not that it's gonna hurt you. I guess some people you could change the settings or whatever, but 
to feel, oh, I just got hit in the side. You know, not only is that disorienting and, and maybe a little bit painful, but it also signals to me that's where the danger is from. Like Mm -hmm. you would, you wouldn't want to be the one guy who can never tell where the the shot came from in the game. You you want to know, oh, it's from my right. I'm going to go get him. I mean, they do have those for military now where like, it's a, it's a vest where like you can play where they do uh, oh, like uh, the high tech laser tag. Yeah. yeah. Like where, I mean, they use blanks, but you know, it still shoots the, the photo, the, the beam. And then like, you can feel it. I, I wow. guess just, for, just from being the guy who like almost broke his nose, falling off the chair, trying to do Mario Kart because I was leaning too hard, you know, <laughs> to try to get it to steer it. Maybe if, the military is not this, for you, Kyle. Just no, well, well, <laughs> maybe not. I don't even think if, if I have one of those things, a military games for me, because I'll probably have a heart attack. <laughs> like I'm sitting there diffusing a mine and all of a sudden it blows up in my face and like my whole body vibrate. I'm just like, <laughs> that's going to be it for me. But I think that's been the journey of video games since its inception is yeah. how to make it more real for lack yeah. of a better term or more lifelike and i i think eventually we are going to get to a point where we're going to push that envelope to get it as real as we possibly can be it not just visually or or auditorily but like how you feel it and you know maybe we'll get to that point like oh yeah that's a little too real and then we'll back off but um well i wouldn't be shocked if if eventually with augmented or virtual reality, we, we did get to something like that. Which, which, uh, which MMO is it? Oh, I smell a vision. Finally, we, we, we actually, all joking aside, they, they, they have actually tried it for, oh, for historical places or like, if you've like ever been on people... uh, uh, soaring over California, mm-hmm. They, they, they spray uh, like the, the orange blossom scent into the, into the room when you fly over the orchards and, and some other oh. places. Like when you fly over San Francisco, they, they spray fecal matter. In, I'm kidding, that's not <laughs> Seattle, it's just Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> it just smells like a Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm there. A Starbucks and a fish market. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Pike's Place. All right. Well, I think I think that's a great place to end is flying over Seattle, smelling like a Starbucks. Um, so I don't know. I just want to thank you, Terrence, for for hopping on with us tonight. Um, it's been awesome. Same thing with you, Kyle. Thank you guys for for making the time. Hey, sure, yeah, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Could you uh, send me a link to your podcast and stuff? Uh, yeah. On the... That way, I can start peeking at that. Yeah, I will gladly send that your way my friend the more the merrier yeah so we just we recommend everyone you know Mm -hmm. get your 90 minutes of dad bod history and then sprinkle your day with capitans tv yeah um i'm like your shot of espresso you know yeah yes exactly so all right well thanks for joining us and uh we'll see you all next time thank you everyone